I'm Ryan Lightfoot-Brown of Fun Calibre, and welcome to the Investing on the Go podcast. We're joined today by Chris Kinder, the Elite Rated Manager of the Threadneedle UK Extended Alpha Fund. Chris, thank you very much for your time today. Now, you make money from rising share prices and from falling share prices. Can you explain how this is possible? Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you very much for having me on the, the podcast. Um, first and foremost, the traditional way of making money, as you know, from rising share prices by investing in companies where you think the fundamentals look good, the valuation's attractive, and, and owning them. That's, that's a pretty standard, well-understood way of monetizing the stock market. Perhaps the more interesting thing that we do is, um, is, is the process of short selling, whereby we are able to benefit um, to a smaller degree, if we're honest, um, it's a relatively small part of the portfolio, but we are able to create short positions which benefit as share prices uh, fall away. And with the, the longs, sort of the ones you're, you're holding for the long term, being those that make up the most of the portfolio, can you explain what you sort of look for in those sort of companies that you want to invest in? Yeah, absolutely. It's a very, it's a very I would call it a very traditional, fundamental-based investment process where at our core... We're looking for decent quality businesses, um, quality as defined by returns, cash flow, balance sheet strength, and, and management, who we sort of have a good dialogue with and a good relationship with at decent prices. Um, so good companies, good prices, and then long-term ownership. That's often, that's always been, I guess, the key to what we've done. And conversely, what sort of traits do you look for in the companies that you're shorting? Yeah, shorting is, is, is very much the, the reciprocal or the inverse of that process, whereby um, we're looking for, generally speaking, quite expensive shares. So one of the one of the key determinants of what we do is that we have to believe that the shares are overvalued. So a sort of sense of an overvalued share, a sense of a highly consensual share, where um, we feel that the, the owners are very happy, very complacent, they've done very well. It's sort of the idea of a lazy consensus. So expensive shares that are that are well owned and, and very well liked. And yet this is really important in shorting, um, and we're very focused on this, where there is something going wrong with the company. So something that is going to disturb the status quo, that's going to sort of change people's opinions. And that could be either something internal or something external. So expensive, consensual, yet deteriorating. So it's quite a sort of a, it's a much harder filter to get through, to be sure. We have much fewer short positions. Okay. And is there, you've got an example of one of those that you've had recently? Yeah, I mean, a successful one over the last year has been a company called Metrobank, uh, which was a reasonably high-profile uh, challenger bank that, that had some troubles throughout uh, 2019. And I think when I reflect back on, on what we did well with that position, that was a very, very clearly analysed view that the shares, as I said, were extremely expensive relative to the assets of the company. Uh, there was clearly a level of complacency in the people who held it about the nature of the risks the bank was taking. Uh, clearly there was a lack of understanding about the view of the regulator with regard to that bank. And our view was that when these risks became apparent, there could potentially be quite a meaningful fallout uh, in terms of the share price, but also in terms of the, the capital position of the company. And that was revealed to have been inadequately capitalized, hence the rights issue. Which particularly that's powerful. something you sort of you identified as well, that capital position, because that's what really pulled it down the, the first time. Yeah, it, it's, it's one of these things when, when shorting, the way I always think about it, it it's all about asymmetry. Because um, obviously it's a position you take. Uh, it's possible that one can lose money in a short position. Of course it is. But we're always debating this, this question, if I'm wrong, how much will I lose? And if I'm right, how much am I going to make? So I didn't know they were going to need to be recapitalized. I thought there was a fighting chance of it. I thought there was a reasonable chance when you looked at the nature of the risk they were writing, how the business didn't generate any capital organically. And it was one of the things, if they have to raise capital, 
there's real trouble here. So that, and that's how we sort of appraise all of these things. It's, it's kind of a risk reward. And sort of towards the back of last year, in fact, over the last three and a half years, Brexit's been the main thing affecting UK equities. Yes. You being a UK um, manager yourself, um, has it created any more or less of these sort of opportunities for you? Yeah, both on the long and short side, actually. Our, our view um, basically since the Brexit uh, happened was that there, well, that there has been and still remains to a degree a very significant valuation discount in the UK for political risk. And so, I mean, clearly I'm not sitting here in denial of the political risk um, that, that has been created by Brexit. Clearly a big chunk of that political risk has been removed by the formation of a government with a proper majority who, who does seem to be able to get things done. I say that in inverted commas, don't really know, but at least they have, a, they have the ability to get things done and they have a majority to get things through Parliament. So as, as long as that discount persisted, we've been quite constructive on the UK domestics, actually, made some really nice investments. And again, that really suits my sort of philosophy. Everybody hated the UK, um, real deep discounts of valuation. And yeah, actually some really quite good companies. And the economy, as we all know, has held up pretty well. So we've been constructive on the domestics, which has been great. Now, you're, you are a, a growth manager, but you sort of spin off a bit of a natural income um, anyway. How, how are you doing that? Yeah, I mean, the, the, you know, I mean as all shares yield uh, to a degree. Um, I've always felt, and certainly my colleagues uh, here, and I've always felt that income does form a reasonable percentage of the total return from investments over time. Um, you know, and so to ignore the ability of these assets to generate income is 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 cutting off a, sh- a source of return, in my view. So, income is important, absolutely. But it's for me, it's not it's not so much buying the highest yielding shares. It's appraising. We always talk about the quality of the dividend policy. The dividend policy is obviously a function of the underlying company, the balance sheet of the company, the capital allocation decisions the companies makes, and it may well be that when one considers it, a high dividend yield is actually pretty damning indicator what you want is a reasonable dividend yield growing paid by a company that is is a solid going concern and going sort of big picture now we touched a bit on uk and and the politics but what's your outlook for uk equities for the rest of the year um it's it's okay it's reason it's reasonably constructive i mean i so it's a difficult question to answer i'll be the first to admit um my stance for many years is what you would call uh, cautiously optimistic (laughs) that that kind of suits me as as a person um so, you know, acknowledge it's always, and it's always very difficult to make a, cr- a constructive case to assets when, even though we've lagged global markets, I mean, most of the funds in, in, in our universe are at all time highs. Um, but I still feel that it is possible to make decent total returns uh, going forward. Um, I think when I look into the underlying uh, situation within the UK market, we have an astonishing, um, What's the word bifurcation between the stuff that is very popular, that's doing very well, that is outrageously, dare I say, expensive relative to history, but in many cases being justified by you know, the, the strength of the economic proposition these companies offer. And on the other side of the boat, there are these chronically under, well, deeply undervalued looking shares where there are uh, questions around going concerns. So the scope to make money long and short, I think, is really great. So it's a very, very diverse opportunity set in the UK market. And I guess it's just up to us to sort of get into the weeds, pick the stocks and let, let the stocks do the work, really. So I think the, there are opportunities there. 
Um, at the headline level, you know, we continue to be buffeted by political risk. The, the pound will go up and down. Um, so, but bottom up is my world and I see plenty of opportunities. Fantastic. Well, Chris, that's been really interesting. Thank you very much for your time today. Pleasure. Thank you very much. And for more information on the elite rated Threadneedle UK Extended Alpha Fund, please visit fundcaliber.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the Investing on the Go podcast. Please remember, we've been discussing individual stocks to bring investing to life for you. It is not a recommendation to buy or sell. The fund may or may not be holding these stocks at time of your listening.